0: Welcome to LiveAlittleHigher.com. This week we read parashah Beshalach, and this reading contains many significant narratives uh, which demonstrates Hashem's love for the Jewish people. Like it's it's undeniable. We see that's a miracle after a miracle forget already the 10 plagues he produced in Egypt, so they would let us go free. Uh, in this parasha, we read about the splitting of the Red Sea, we read about the manna falling down, the food, the miraculous food that sustained the Jewish people for 40 years in the desert, and also the miraculous victory of the Jewish people over Amalek, and uh, they won that war, they were not destroyed. And we see also that the Jewish people also show favor towards Hashem in this parasha. We see the fa- that they sing the famous uh, song of the sea. Uh, this is why this Shabbat is called the Shabbat Shira. The, the, the Shabbat Shira, the Shabbat of song, in which the Jewish people, after crossing the, the, the Red Sea, uh, the Yamsuf, uh, and they're healthy and they're complete, they sing to Hashem praises of of greatness of, of gratitude and it's a very very powerful acknowledgement uh, from the Jewish people towards Hashem and um, and we see that it was so great that they were even able to 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 a, for a common person to attain prophecy so but anyways <clears throat> eh, Even though we see all these wondrous uh, natural events going on, the name of the parasha really is very contradictory to what we read in the parasha. The name of the parasha Beshalach, which means he sent forth, it's it's talking about that the Jewish people really didn't want to leave Egypt, they were very comfortable there, even though they had been slaves for 210 years, we have to understand that when the, the plague started. Six months later, the Jewish people were set free already. They were not slaves anymore in the land of Egypt. They lived in the land of Goshen, which was the richest part of the land, and they um, became very comfortable people. They they had their yeshivas. They they didn't lack food. They lived in a very nice place, and they became very comfortable. In a certain way, this sounds very, very... uh, something that we would could relate to like Jewish people living in exile living in the diaspora outside of the land of Israel we come and we live in different places of the world and we feel comfortable we make a living we have our beautiful homes we make Jewish schools we have yeshivas we have shuls we have a Jewish life and suddenly we become very comfortable so this is what this uh, name of this parasha Be really even though it sounds negative really in, in In truth, it uh, is—it's telling us that the Jewish people would have never left Egypt if Pharaoh wouldn't have told them to get out. So describing Pharaoh as the agent of the Exodus, he was really—even though he was so bad, so bad— We know that he's the agent, he's the one, he's the facilitator that made it possible for us to get out of Egypt. Uh, It points to one of its purposes and alludes to our ultimate mission within creation, which uh, to highlight this factor, God told Moshe at the very beginning of the process of redemption, with a strong hand, Pharaoh will drive them from his land. So, he had to almost throw us out of Egypt, like he threw us out of Egypt. He said, leave, and it was in such a haste that the Jewish people didn't even have uh, provisions to leave. They had to just, uh, the the bread, they didn't have time to rise, they just put it in the oven and they had to eat this matzah, which we eat on Pesach to remember the Exodus, And, and And we see that they left in a haste, they left like in one minute. So for the intent of creation is that this material world and all of its elements be transformed into a dwelling for Hashem. So the whole purpose of God creating a a, a material world where we are is that we should make Uh, dwelling place for God in this world. And this includes even those elements which at first would oppose the forces of holiness. So sometimes we're confronted in in our lifetime, I wouldn't say sometimes, most of the time we're confronted in our lifetime with opposing forces that don't make it easy for us to make a dwelling place for Hashem in this world. For example, in the United States, it's very easy to be a kosher Jew in New York. Maybe not in Milwaukee, but there are certain places where being a, a from a, a, a God-fearing Jew, is much easier than in other places. Like you cannot find kosher food. You you have to, like in Colombia, for example. If you're if you're very very from and you would have halav Israel milk, then you have in in the olden days. Today you can get it, but. I'm telling, 30 years ago, the the rabbi had to go to the farm and and watch the the milkman milk the cow, and he himself had to take the milk with him, and he himself had to boil it. So there's places where you just walk into a grocery store and the milk is there in the in the fridge, like it happens to me now, and thank God, Baruch Hashem, I have it easy. There's other places where it becomes even harder. So the whole intent of creation is to make a dwelling place for Hashem in this world. And as, as opposing the forces, the more opposition you find, the harder it is for you to eat kosher, the bigger is gonna be your merit. So ultimately, every aspect of of being will serve a a positive purpose. So in certain cases, as with Pharaoh, a transformation is necessary first, and we see that in the original state such people cannot serve a positive purpose. So we see Pharaoh, what good can you see from a guy like that? There's there's nothing enlightening about such an evil person. So uh, here what it says is that their destruction is their purification. So when he threw the Jewish people out of Egypt, and then he decided to follow them and, and because he realized he needed workers, he's missing the jewels, and he, he, his head went the other way, and he went after them. The whole purpose was so Hashem could finish him off and finish off the Egyptians. So the purpose of, of, of the destruction of the Egyptian, the ancient Egyptian culture was the source of their purification. So this concept is highlighted by prophecies of, of the times of the redemption which say, and I will read the land of dangerous animals our sages interpret this to mean the animals will be transformed so that they will no longer cause harm as it is written. The wolf will dwell with the lamb in the era of ultimate good, predators will continue to exist. So the the wolf will lie right next to the lamb and he's not gonna eat the lamb. Because what's gonna happen is that the negative tendencies are gonna be, are gonna disappear. It doesn't mean that there's not gonna be any wolves. There's gonna be wolves, there's gonna be lions, there's gonna be all these things but the negativity is gonna disappear so God's intent in creation was not only to reveal the unbounded spiritual light within the material existence it's not only to elevate the sparks of holiness within the material existence he would have not ever created a material world if this would have been his only intent the truth is that God's desire is that every aspect of existence becomes part of his dwelling. So he wants that the good, the bad, the great, the, the black, the, everything becomes... Holy. It's a transformation towards holiness, and just as a mortal dwelling reveals the character of its owner, every element of God's dwelling is intended to reveal the different facet of His being. So this is a little bit hard to understand because it talks about about the expression of inner good within the evil. Like, everything that's bad in the world, in reality, has a spark of goodness within it that has to be also revealed. And um, and maybe in our lifetime, we won't be able to see it unless Mashiach comes now. But in the times of Mashiach, that's what's going to be. The revelation of Hashem is going to be everywhere. You're going to be able to see God's hand in everything. You're going to be able to understand everything. Today we, we can't, we don't, because we're in exile. So as a foretaste of this ultimate state, the name of our Torah reading focuses on the transformation of Pharaoh. So this is what, that's why the name of Beshalach is sent forth, because what it's telling us is that the, the message is that even the most perverse elements in our life, in our existence, can generate positive influences. Like, everything is good, everything is good. It doesn't matter what happens to us. Everything at the end of the day is good. So there's a question, nevertheless, that remains unresolved and the question is why was it necessary to Pharaoh, for Pharaoh to send Jewish, the Jewish people out of Egypt? Why did he have to throw us out? Why were the Jewish people not eager to leave Egypt? This is a question. Why, why did they have, after 210 years of slavery, they went through the worst holocaust in, in the history of the Jewish history, like Today we have goosebumps with the, with, the, with the Holocaust of our time. If we would go back to those days and we would think of what happened, it's like six million was little amount of people. And, and, and the babies that were killed, and the, and the, and the Pharaoh with bathing their blood, and the, the suffering of the people was humongous. And it was for 210 years. So one might say that we had no reason to hurry out. Because at the end, the Jewish people were comfortable. They were not being harassed. They were not being uh, enslaved. They had, uh, they had uh, a beautiful life. And uh, so, but the truth, the truth is that they should have had a desire to leave Egypt regardless. Regardless. And our sages state that all the people who did not want to leave, which actually were 80% of them, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that 80% of the Jewish people didn't want to leave Egypt, and uh, they died eventually in the in the plague of darkness. They were they died. Hashem said if they're not gonna get out of Egypt and they're not gonna go to Israel, to the land, to the promised land then what's the purpose of them? I have no purpose for them, they have no purpose. They're not gonna receive the Torah and they're not gonna be uh, doing what they have to do. So they were, they were killed. So we see here that all the Jews who remained uh, didn't wanna leave. And the 20% realized that living in exile, even amidst security and prosperity, is not Jews the, the, the Jewish purpose. This is not why we're here. And But the same way, even 20% that wanted to leave, the question is, why did Pharaoh have to throw them out? Why did he have to force them to get out of there? So. Um, The Rebbe, in his his teachings, he teaches us that this question can be resolved on the basis of a parallel concept. And he says that God had promised Moshe that he would give the Jewish people the Torah as it is written after you lead the people out of Egypt you will serve God on this mountain and the Jews rejoiced. they were so happy when they came to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai they were like like angels they were pure and they all stood up together as one heart it was as a one beating heart they were it was oneness it was unity Nevertheless, Hashem, when He was giving them the Torah, had to sus- suspend the mountain on top of their heads, and uh, and, it, and the midrash tells us that if the Jewish people would have not accepted the Torah, wouldn't have said, uh, uh, "We will do and then we will learn the Seven Ishma," the Torah, the mountain would have fallen on top of it of them, and this would have been their cemetery. This would have been the end of them, because then there was no purpose for them to be alive. So the question is why did God have to suspend that mountain on top of their heads if they were eager to receive the Torah? They were ready to receive it. They said, a seven ishma we will do and then we will learn. So the point is that there are different levels of desire And this I had to research a little more, and thank God that my husband has good, good, uh, good uh, contacts. He called Rabbi Katz, uh, who is an incredible rabbi, uh, that. translates all the memory of the Rebbe, and he asked him for me, what, is, what, is, what does this mean, the, the, the levels of desire? And uh, he gave me a beautiful explanation about it. He says that there's different levels of, of desire that a person has, and they depend on how much the person needs it or it's important to him. So, for example, if a person is hungry and he wants to have breakfast and he's, he wants some scrambled eggs, he desires a scrambled eggs for breakfast, but instead of scrambled eggs the wife made for him pancakes, he's not gonna make a, a big deal about it because pancakes are good too. They're, they're delicious. They're even more... more uh, in a higher level than the the scrambled eggs. So he won't be upset about it, his level of desire is met. But imagine that he has a desire to eat breakfast and if he isn't able to eat breakfast, like he has a very important meeting and he didn't have time and he has to run out and he had to go without his breakfast, he's gonna be upset. He's gonna be like, oh, I wanted breakfast, I desire breakfast, but, it will get, he'll get over it soon. He'll have a muffin on the way or whatever and he'll get over it soon. It's not a big deal. But then he has a desire to eat and and he's not able to eat for 24 hours because maybe he's gonna have a, a procedure done and they don't let him eat for 24 hours and so the desire of food is gonna be even greater. He's gonna be like thinking about food much more. But if he can eat for three straight days, then the desire for food switches. Because at 24 hours, as much as he's thinking about food and he's dreaming about it and he's hungry, he'll survive, it's not a big deal, it's not a life-changing experience. But if it comes to be three days that he's stuck in a place in the mountains, he got lost, he's in a cave and he's lost and there's nothing to eat for three days, then this desire, switches from comfort to a survival mode desire. So then he is gonna do whatever it takes to, to get food because he needs to survive. And that desire fills his whole being and that's the only thing he's gonna be able to think about. It's food, 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 I need to eat, I need to live, I need to survive. So, in the same way, a Jew has an innate desire to connect to Hashem. We, we need to connect to God. We need to. It's a desire, it's in it, it's something very strong that every Jew has. But at the same way as I just explained the, the, the different levels of desire regarding food, inner connection to Hashem, it's very similar. So sometimes a person needs uh, that he wants to connect to Hashem, but he cannot give himself the luxury of connecting to Hashem. So he goes to shul once a week for Shabbat, but during the week he doesn't go to pray because he has to be in his in his office at eight and he, he doesn't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go to the minion. It's a, it's a luxury. So, okay, he doesn't feel so bad about it it's okay instead of pancakes instead of scrambled eggs they gave me pancakes I cannot complain a higher level is like he misses doing a mitzvah like this person had the opportunity uh, he prays the heal him every day and suddenly the day went and he was not able to do to heal him, and it's nighttime and he already can't do it he's gonna be upset because he couldn't do it he's it's gonna bother him but eventually he'll get over it I'll do them tomorrow I'll do double tomorrow so the higher level is that he feels that his connection to Hashem is his very life and his desire to connect to Hashem takes over his entire being so there's a higher level this is the level in which we cannot live without God he's the air we breathe if I don't wake up in the morning and I don't pray, it's the first thing I I do in the morning I cannot continue with my day it's impossible I, I need to plug in. So so it says here that one of the reasons for exile is this. It's exactly this. That we awaken in ourselves a deeper yearning for Hashem. That being so far away from Him makes us want to be closer to Him. This is, this is what, what Rabbi Katz explained to me. It's to awaken a yearning and a need to connect and that the only, only, only thing we really want in our lives is, ha- is Hashem. All I want is you, God. This is it. I want to have you in every little thing I do in my life. So so we see here that, that God wanted the Jewish people to accept the Torah, with a total commitment. This is what he wanted from us. He didn't want us to be forced into it, to feel that we have to accept it. He wanted that we have feelings of yearning uh, that are so powerful, so powerful, that it was if our lives depended on it. Like, we felt that if we didn't get the Torah, we would not be able to survive. So we were not capable, capable of summoning up this level of commitment on our own. We cannot get to that place on our own. So God compelled us to reach this peak through external means, which was Pharaoh. He made it so hard for us in our life in Egypt that he was the one that had to push us to get to this place. So similarly, with regard to the Exodus, God wanted the Jews to desire freedom, with a deeper than ordinary will, and therefore he we, we brought about circumstances that awaken profound and encompassing commitment. So right now we're in exile, the world is upside down, we hear all these crazy things going on, the, the, the coronavirus here, and the poli- politics here, and the anti-Semitism here, and it's all a mesh, a mesh, a mess. But all these forces that are opposing forces, that seem bad forces, in reality contain within them the, the secret of yearning for god of wanting a better life of wanting to be connected to hashem and and and, and to feel that he's he's our lifeline he's our the, the the air we breathe this is what it is so i want to wish you a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you